outside of that, I'm looking at AJ Duffy probably the most out of everybody going into this one. And just to see him be able to take that next step in front of a crowd, you know, we've heard good things from the first scrimmage, the second scrimmage, a little bit more sloppy in the quarterback room as a whole. But specifically for AJ Duffy to see him be able to orchestrate a couple drives, be able to not worry about the pass rush so much and tuck the ball and run, I think will be a pivotal part in trying to identify if he can push a little bit with Tate Rodemaker going into 2023. Really just want to see him make those strides. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fleckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by NoGamey.com. We are here live on a wonderful and fantastic Wednesday evening. Sure? There is a football. It's a great. It's a great week. It's a beautiful week because there may or may not be a game. It just depends on how you want to put it. But Florida State will have an event with football going on inside of it. Maybe a practice on steroids or a scrimmage in front of your eyes. But Florida State and Mike Ravel will be heading out onto Bobby Bowden Field on Saturday afternoon. Dustin and I, along with our guy Tommy, will be down there to cover it all. Austin Vizi up with us also this evening. Our lead basketball writer got a lot of basketball goodies to go through at the end of this not, podcast. I, 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 would, I, would, I would not call them goodies. I'm in hell right now. What are they, baddies? But I think when I think of baddies, I'm thinking of like, Women. Stop, I'm thinking stop, of women. I'm thinking of like, like all right. I mean, midis, 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 not grades. How about that? Stuff you don't exactly want to hear. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So we got a lot of to go over this evening. We got to talk some Dimitri Emmanuel officially getting his waiver granted for the 2023 season, going into his seventh season. And college football. Yeah. And then we've got some Seminole Showcase. We'll have a small little preview at that. We'll predict maybe a few potential breakout players and some names to know before going into Doak on Saturday. We'll talk some quarterbacks here and what we want to see from them. We'll go through a little bit of recruiting because there is a big weekend ahead on that side. And then Austin is going to finish us off with some basketball. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, feel free to hit the like button, comment. If you're on Facebook and YouTube, we will try to go over any questions or topics that you throw at us. But let's go and jump into some things, gentlemen. Let's start off with the biggest news of the week on the football side. Dimitri Emmanuel 
yesterday was able to get his waiver granted. This is something that we'd been waiting on for a long while. Dustin, you and I would see him at practice and, you know, he would wear his jersey, but he couldn't go in and do any kind of physical work. He would spend most of his time working with some of the younger players, helping them on their technique and going through drills and having the playbook in his hand, but couldn't do much more than that but now we ha- they saw that happen Tuesday morning and you guys were actually able to see Dimitri walk into practice fully padded what was kind of you know the vibe around Dimitri and you know what was the you know vibe out of practice with getting him back into the rotation with coach Atkins definitely a guy who was uh, excited to be back out there on the practice field and you know especially competing with the number of quality guys that FSU has in that room who are battling for starting spots. And you got to thank the other guys have been able to get a chance, get, get more involved this spring while Dimitri's kind of been in this uh, purgatory period. And, and now that he's back out there, you know, he really didn't miss a beat yesterday. Had a couple impressive blocks, showed off his athleticism, had a nice pull block where he was able to get to the opposite side of the line and engage with a linebacker, create a hole for nice gain on the ground. So, I mean, you know what you're getting in him. He was very consistent for Florida State last year, was in the lineup, started all 13 games, ended up being named third team, all ACC, and is arguably the most experienced option that Florida State has in that offensive line room as of right now. So, I mean, we're going to see how it goes. Casey Roddick, Keandre Jones, Jeremiah Byers can even play some guard. There's a lot of guys in there battling for spots alongside that interior, but I think you've got to like what you have coming back in a guy like Dimitri. You could argue he was the most consistent lineman last year, just game to game. Like he didn't have as many highs as maybe like a Robert Scott did, but he didn't have the lows like some of the other guys. Um, just very consistent game to game. It's huge for this offensive line to get him back. Just, you know, we, we talked about it when we did, when we did our um, position recaps at the end of the season, just how much improvement the offensive line has made. The depth on this offensive line now is just absurd. It helps a ton get Dimitri back. You look at two position groups that are really excited about this. First, obviously, quarterback room. What Jade Trav, you saw his excitement posted on social media. But then the running back room should be ecstatic because of what Dimitri Emanuel was able to open up for some of the running backs last year. And to get him back into the system for a second year is huge for what Mike Norvell likes to do with his running back room. And, of course, Coach Atkins in the trenches up front, but yeah, you bring a lot of experience. And I think too, you know, this is a guy I saw a lot of tweets about, you know, Dimitri coming back. Yes. A lot of depth tweets. Yeah, that's depth. But this is a guy that's going to start for Florida state, unless something catastrophic happens, in my opinion, unless some of these transfers coming in, you've got Casey Roddick and it's Keandre drones. Those are the guys on the interior. So we don't have to worry about, you know, buyers. He's not in this conversation unless someone makes some crazy strides there. Dimitri Manuel is not going to lose his spot. You saw, you know, he was participating, participating Dustin at the pro day correct just in case something were not to go right with the waiver right pretty much yeah he he got the chance to work out there alongside the rest of the guys and you know it was just kind of like a final option in case uh that appeal was denied so that he would have something I guess kind of on tape and and stuff for NFL scouts to kind of go off of but I mean luckily for him he was able to get to to get the appeal and I've just been kind of I've been impressed with his approach uh, throughout this process. Cause like you said earlier, he's been on the sidelines. He's been out there stepping up as a vocal leader, you know, helping some of these guys whenever they make mistakes, but also outside of that, he's getting the headset on whenever they go to team, he's listening in on the calls. It's kind of given him a different perspective of the game. I feel like, so, I mean, for a guy who's been at the college level for so long to 
continue finding new ways to, you know, think about football and, and improve his his mental understanding of the game and Florida State system as well, you know, going into his second year of the offense. I've been pretty impressed with that approach. Yeah, much, much needed. And you have the depth part of it, but I thought he impressed us when we saw him last spring. And I was like, Woo, who was that? Number 71. He is a guy consistently winning his one-on-one reps going mm-hmm. against Fabian Lovett. Not so easy there. You got a veteran, Robert Cooper, but he was the one really playing well in those practices in that last spring. And then we saw it go through in the fall and like, okay, Demetri Emanuel is going to be one of Florida state's top offensive linemen going into 2022, but just to have him back is huge. Yep. So great news for Demetri. And like you said, for a guy having to deal with that sitting back, it's got to suck. It's got to suck. And I know he's trying to be as hands-on as possible. And I'm glad that he was able to go participate and do what he needed to do with the pro date. But whew, getting that news on Tuesday was massive for Florida State going into this next season. You need that depth. We've seen whenever Florida State gets a little thin there, things get messed up, man. Things don't go so smoothly. And Florida State, we saw a better trend of that last year, and it should be even stronger than we had seen, we've ever seen at least covering this football team in 10 years. Yeah. It's going to be an extremely strong unit. I mean, we've we've talked about it throughout the offseason. Five guys coming back who started at least one game last year. You've got the three experienced transfers coming in. You've got the young talent like Julian Armella, Jalen Early, um, Estes. You've got Kushan Sapp, who's made some strides now this spring at that center spot. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of promise at the top and also, you know, with the talent that's growing in that room, I think you've got to be excited for what's going to come on the field in 2023. And then also what you've got in the cupboard for years to come. That room has been built extremely well over the past couple of uh, recruiting cycles, you know, not only through the high school level, but obviously through the transfer portal as well. And I mean, just credit to Florida State's coaching staff and especially Alex Atkins and those guys he's got under him, um, Cooper Williams and Gabe Fertitta. They're all doing a really good job here. Uh, that, that's mainly the biggest news breaking stuff here, but I did want to mention too, we're still waiting on another waiver, waiver with Daryl Jackson, Miami defensive tackle transfer. And I think this is a huge one, huge one. And you're going to hear, we're going to talk about the spring showcase in just a bit, but you're going to see a, a lot of Daryl Jackson on Saturday. He's a guy that's flashed and he's made some plays just going off the first little bit of spring camp that I was able to attend. And Dustin, can give some more intel on this, but Daryl Jackson is going to be a problem. And Mm -hmm. I think for Florida state fans, whenever they're able to go into Doe Campbell stadium on Saturday, Dustin and VZ, I think they're going to be like, whoo, who is that? And number 14, he is a guy that likes to cause problems against the offensive line. And he's been doing that all throughout camp. And it's great to see it alongside Joshua farmer, but still you're waiting on that waiver. And you know, that's what stinks about it. But I think there's some, optimism just because of the circumstances and the reasoning behind it that he will be granted that but you know you're one of two right now waiver situation going into next season Mm -hmm. you never really know with these processes I mean sometimes they come through sometimes they don't it's really just going to depend on the NCAA and I don't think Miami is planning to do Florida State any favors um, during the process I mean we'll see how it shakes out but like you said I do think Darrell Jackson has a pretty good case to end up getting a waiver and be eligible for FSU next season. And I mean, he really came into spring camp as one of the most dominant players along the defensive line on the team, especially through the first half of, of spring camp. It has come back down to earth a little bit as of late, but I mean, it's still a, a competitor out there making plays every day in the middle of a defensive line unit that has a ton of talent. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be fighting for 
a starting spot right up there with Fabian Lovett, Braden Fisk, um, Daniel Lyons. I mean, you can just kind of just keep naming off names as you go. There's probably eight to ten guys that could all get get involved there in that defensive tackle room when it comes down to it. I mean, even lately, you've got some younger guys like Ayobami, Tafasi, making flash in practice, Antavius Woody obviously converted over to defensive line. <clears throat> so it's a really stacked group. And I think Jackson, you know, to his credit, has done a good job of standing out at times and really making a lot of plays. So his transition so far this spring, it's been impressive. And I think fans are going to be excited to see some of those flashes on Saturday. There's a question in the chat from Nick on Facebook saying, when guys start projecting where they'll fall in the depth chart, some non-starting talent will jump in the portal. Can we forecast at this point anybody who could fall into that possibility after the spring? Or is it still too soon? I really do think it will be. At least we'll do a little bit of forecasting after the spring. We'll see how things are during the spring showcase as we'll probably go into more depth later. You know, this is a different style of spring in quote game a little bit different than how Jimbo used to run it here with Garnet versus gold. And it really is a scrimmage style with a little bit of drills going through special teams, a lot of one-on-one battles, which is, you know, fun to watch, but it still is not a spring game looking at some of the other colleges across the country going into some of them this weekend. And if you're Florida, you also have yours on Thursday night. Congratulations to them. That seems exciting, but uh, no, for four states cases, Friday, Yep, 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 yep. It's uh, good times, good times for those two schools down below us. But Florida State, though, you know, looking at some of the depth and what they're going to want to do, a lot of transfers coming in, some of the upcoming younger players also, I think we'll have a better forecast after we, you know, regroup and look at what happened during spring camp and then the Saturday. Um, there will be attrition. We've talked about that all throughout this spring, but it's really a, it really is a competitive battle for a lot of guys, and there will be some veterans, some some guys that have been in the program for a good amount of years that you know we'll, we're expecting to move on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't like to predict names or, or things like that. It's just not very respectful to the players. But I mean, just looking at the situation, you can see that Florida State they're going to have to lose probably four to five scholarship players at the conclusion of the spring. Um, the transfer portal window opens up April 15th. It's a 15-day window to, I believe, May 1st. So um, we should know pretty quickly who's going to be moving on from the roster. And, I mean, you know, if you look at a couple positions, there are some guys who maybe could be in that scenario, and we'll just kind of see how it works its way out. But Florida State, they are going to have to lose four to five guys, especially with Dimitri Emanuel coming back. And, you know, you continue to hear the whispers of, Destin Hill arriving at some points. I mean, we'll see how that all works itself out. But then Florida State, you know, if they want to get involved in the transfer portal and look to make an addition at a position, that's even more attrition that you're going to need to lose from the guys who are already on the roster. But like I said, we we should know pretty quickly um, which guys are going to be departing with that portal window right around the corner. 100%. Let's jump into the Seminole Showcase, which is going on on Friday at 4 p.m. Looking forward to being back. Saturday. What I say? Friday. Oh, I did. I went in the UF route here. Dang it. I was looking Miami. up. I was, yeah, or Miami. You know what? Either way, either way, I watched too much of Florida's that pass today from Mertz. Uh, you know, I, I love our good guy, Zach Goodall. They do a great job covering UF. He does a phenomenal job. And poor, you know, 
he's at the point to where he's got to pick a couple of clips here and there of Mertz throwing the football. And it's like, my guy, I think you're going to have to just start cutting out before he, he's got to be the point to where you don't know who's throwing the football. That's going to be your best bet. Cause right now he's getting ripped to shreds from FSU Twitter, but good guy does some great coverage over there on our network with SI. So, but yeah, tough. I keep on thinking of Florida and, and Miami too much. I got to get them out of my brain, but looking forward to be back in Doke on Saturday afternoon at four. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's, it's not a spring game. I just think of it a practice on steroids. It'll be part of it. It'll be a game type scenario. And then part of it, you know, will be the special teams type of drills that we saw last year and different things like that. We'll, we'll definitely see a little bit of a scrimmage, but it's just how long will that be? Cause you, I mean, you know, they've got the guest coaches. I know we haven't talked about that yet, but they're definitely going to do some type of competitive event. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be some kind of competition at some point. Yes, there will definitely will be. And, you know, I think for Florida state, there's some question marks in a few different position groups where I think Mike Norvell is going to look at a few players and see if they can take that next step. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the quarterback room outside of Jordan Travis. I don't think we'll see a lot of JT outside of a series or two, uh, just depending on what Mike and Tony Tokars want to do with him. I think, though, they're going to keep him out there for a good little bit to see how he meshes with some of his new new toys like Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock, <clears throat> and you know, continuing to try to build some chemistry in that running back room with Keziah Holmes, Rodney Hill, um, you know, that's something that Mungerville is going to do with his first team. But I think outside of that, I'm looking at A.J. Duffy probably the most out of everybody going into this one. And just to see him be able to take that next step in front of a crowd. You know, we've heard good things from the first scrimmage, the second scrimmage, a little bit more sloppy in the quarterback room as a whole. But specifically for A.J. Duffy to see him be able to orchestrate a couple drives, be able to not worry about the pass rush so much and tuck the ball and run, I think will be a pivotal part in trying to identify if he can push a little bit with Tate Rodemaker going into 2023. Really just want to see him make those strides. I'm not worried about much around Brocklin. I don't need to see a true freshman go out there and make some crazy plays. It'd be great to see him have some flashes, but it's now time for AJ Duffy to take that next step. It's mandatory at this point. So Duffy is probably my number one guy I'm watching and looking forward to going and covering on Saturday afternoon. Definitely something to watch uh, with the quarterbacks. I do agree. I don't think Jordan Travis will get a ton of burn during this uh, scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. I think we'll see a lot of, like Logan said, A.J. Duffy, Tate Rodemaker, and also getting Brooklyn involved there. I mean, this is kind of a chance for Duffy to prove in a competitive setting that he can push Rodemaker a little bit for that number two job, which is what you kind of want to see. You want to see some of those signs as you start to uh, gear up here for fall camp in a couple of months. I mean, you said you want to see him take the next step. That's really the next step, legitimately challenging Rodemaker for the uh, – backup job to Jordan Travis. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens beginning on Saturday. And I think it'll be good for Brocklin to get involved there. Florida State, uh, Mike Norvell has said it a ton that FSU's done a, a ton of inst- installation um, throughout spring camp. And they haven't held anything back from these newcomers, whether it's the transfers or the freshmen getting involved here. And I mean, you got to think Brocklin being the only newcomer to that quarterback room, he's having to pick stuff up and pick it up quickly 
And to his credit, Mike Norvell said he's been doing a pretty good job really coming on strong as of late. And we even heard from Brock on Tuesday said he's not 100% comfortable with the system yet. But, I mean, he's getting there. The other quarterbacks are giving him advice. Tony Tokar is, is doing a really good job with him out there out on the field and he's enjoying working with with all those guys getting better day by day so I mean it'll be a good experience for FSU fans to get a look at a guy who is who has a lot of good football ahead of him and I think you know for Florida State yeah and you know I that quarterback room uh, you know you you, you're kind of doing that you're testing the waters just because you know what you're not going to have in 2020 four and that's Jordan Travis you're not going to have him you're also not going to have a whole lot of other people but specifically you're not going to have Jordan Travis and you know what's it going to look like who's going to be able to make some strides but you know I would love to see AJ Duffy have a nice day and show us what he I think is capable of and there's just certain things that he's got to get better at and I would like to see that happen on Saturday afternoon I want to kind of predict a few potential breakout players because I feel like we can cheat at times at this, Dustin, because being able to be at practice and view, it's nice. So we can also give tip off cheating. some of our listeners. Yeah, I mean, we get to tip off our listeners a little bit before they head into the stadium and write down a few numbers to keep an eye out on. But as we were talking about earlier, I think Daryl Jackson is one that you're going to want to note on to your piece of paper. If you're bringing the roster sheet in, make sure you note down on that number for Daryl Jackson. The other one, He's going to be the guy that's probably been the most consistent and might might be the king of the spring. I think he seals it off if he has a nice day on Saturday afternoon. And it's crazy to think it could be from a true freshman star with Vontravius Jacobs, a wide receiver coming alongside with Hakeem Williams, a five-star product down south in Florida. But Vontravius Jacobs, I think those two to me, at least if I'm starting off there to start at the very top, are guys I would put quite a bit of money on if I had the odds pretty low. Vontravius Jacobs is just he's he's showing out. And I think Mike Norvell is going to have it's going to be tough for him not to allow him to be on the field a whole ton this next season. But Vontravius Jacobs is fun and I think it's going to be fun for a lot of FSU fans to see that on Saturday in front of their eyes. Yeah. Vondravis Jacobs has been really good for Florida state. He has come back down to earth a little bit. The last couple of practices, you know, a couple of drops here and there, but I mean, he's still making a ton of plays. So I think you've really got to like the spring camp that he's turned in um, to me, you know, maybe the guy who I, I think is potentially the king of the spring Rodney Hill seems like he's primed for a heck of a sophomore season it has been, Florida State's most consistent running back throughout the spring. Um, obviously, in the tight end room, Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock are two that you've got to watch. You know, you mentioned Darrell Jackson. I would say keep an eye maybe on some of the defensive ends behind Jared Burst, Patrick Payton on the verge of a breakout campaign, kind of getting a little bit of a look to it. Gilbert Edmonds and Byron Turner to see what they can bring with more of a role with McClendon moving on. Um, Omar Graham Jr. in that linebacker room. Been coming on strong as of late. Obviously, a lot of experience there, but, I mean, he's a guy to watch. And, I mean, I'm excited to see the really the entirety of that defensive backfield, the cornerbacks, the safeties, because this is the first time that, you know, I know they've had the scrimmages, but for the media, for fans to kind of view them in a competitive setting under the guidance of um, Patrick Sertan. So it's going to be 
it's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of different things to follow going into the spring showcase. And I mean, I think that's a good thing for Florida state, whether it's the guys coming back, some of the guys coming in there, there's a lot of excitement going into Saturday, even if it's not going to be a four quarter type of game. I would say for someone like me, that's not at, at all the practices, just being three States away, the two players you hear the most about, at least that we've seen are Jacobs and Patrick Payton. I know I'm, I'm really excited to see what Jacobs can bring to the table. You guys have talked about it literally all spring, just how consistent he's been. And now's the chance for someone like me to see it. And then obviously Patrick Payton, we're, we're all expecting him to take that next step. I really want to see that on a stage on Saturday. And the offensive line as well. Logan, you're muted. But the offensive line as well, uh, I think majority of guys should be out there at least to to give it a go for a while. And you're going to get a, a look at some of the younger guys on that unit as well. I mean, Florida State, 18 scholarship offensive linemen at this point. I'm glad Sean's bringing it up in here about Winston Wright. I think this is going to be pretty interesting to watch on Saturday just because I'm not fully sold that he's a full go yet. And I think Florida State's testing the waters with him. He's also testing himself too. But I'm interested to see full contact-wise what he looks like because we see it in practices and guys aren't going to go out there and hit one another. Definitely Winston as he's continuing to recover after that accident, but Florida State has seemed to feel pretty comfortable of putting him out there and getting involved with almost everything, but I want to see how involved it is on Saturday, and I, we saw him, or didn't see him specifically with our own eyes, but saw the clip of him scoring the touchdown. Did see at the end, though, the DB not really touching him as much. I, You know, I... I'm not sold yet. I mean, I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I'm not sold that we'll see Winston Wright in 2023 yet. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to take that next step and trying to clarify that on Saturday. But I don't think I'm going to get my full answer until Florida State faces LSU and Orlando, sadly. But I would like to see that to kind of clear my mind. Okay, Winston Wright is going to be an asset for Florida State in 2023. Or am I still going to have question marks after that on Saturday? It's just something that is always on the top of my head to where after I left after I left the first couple of practices, I still was not sold that it's a f concrete thought that we're going to see number one full force, at least to start the season. He's making progress. I think there are still some hurdles that he's got to jump through in his recovery. And I also think the coaching staff, the training staff, they're kind of working together to limit him a little bit. I kind of compare this to kind of, you know, dipping your toes, dipping your foot back into the pool. That's what Winston Wright is doing right now. He's kind of starting to get everything back under him after having a year off from football, finally, you know, taking some real contact out there in practices, no brace on the, the previously injured leg or anything like that. Like you said, Logan, we've seen him participate in some of the scrimmages. So, I mean, he's really ramping it up, but at the same time with him coming back from that injury and this being spring practice, I don't think there was a huge rush to try and, push him, you know, intensely to maybe his breaking point or, you know, something something like that. I think they've done a good job of bringing him along gradually. And, you know, that could be in the long-term benefit for Winston Wright. But when we get around to fall camp, I think that's really when we're going to see them up the ante a little bit, really begin to stress him and see if he can be that guy for Florida State in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be our big, his biggest true test yet since he's arrived in Tallahassee, honestly, mm -hmm. just because of how healthy he's been able to 
recover successfully, but this will be his true test and we'll be able to see it on Saturday, at least for the first time that we've been able to view. Yeah. And you've got to think he's, he's probably pretty amped for Saturday. This is his first time since transferring to Florida state that he's going to be able to play in front of the fans inside of Doe Campbell stadium. So like you said, this is a big moment for him. It's an opportunity and, you know, we'll see what he does with it on Saturday and how much action that he's able to get out there. I'm glad you brought up Coach Sertan because that safety room has some question marks going into it. Shaheen Brown now fully healthy, which is good to see. And that seems to be a guy that is probably going to secure a starting spot going into next season. But I think behind that, you're going to see we got to see what Amarion Cooper looks like going from a different position, dropping back and seeing how he develops there because Akeem Den will also be there competing for a starting job and then you know Travis J at least earlier in the spring was getting a lot of playing time with the ones because of Shaheen Brown not being fully healthy but now that changed and switched up a few things and we'll have to see you know the availability for some of these guys that are you know still dinged up and whatnot but you know just specifically Marion Cooper, Akeem Dent, Shaheen Brown you know I'm interested to see how that safety room mixes alongside with a young and with Quindarius Jones, who's shown some really nice flashes through the spring, Dustin. It's a different room than last year. You know, you don't have that Jamie Robinson type of guy in the safety room. You know, Jamie, a two-year starter, always in the lineup for Florida State, led the team in tackles, back-to-back seasons. I mean, he was a true defensive star here. Um, for the Seminoles and I mean he's going to hear his name called later this month in in the NFL draft for how productive he was in Tallahassee but I mean right now Florida State safeties they don't have a guy like that Akeem Den is talented but I mean he's not to the level of a guy like Jamie Robinson at this point and also you know we've heard he's coming back from an injury you know Mike Norvell talked about Akeem Den coming back from a foot injury that he suffered um, in the tail end of the 2022 regular season So, I mean, he's working his way back from that. Chaim Brown still trying to take that next step. You know, you still see the flashes, but, I mean, really you want to get to where it's day-by-day consistency. Um, You know, there's still still some stuff that he needs to improve on. And, I mean, you're seeing it in one-on-ones. You know, Jaheim Bell's able to put, like, a a two-step move on him too easily. I mean, there's still too many breakdowns at this point. But but then he'll come back, and, I mean, he'll make some really good plays. He'll make a – a pass deflection where it's like, how did he get his hands on that? Or he'll come through Mm -hmm. for an interception. So, I mean, the flashes are there, but you wanted to see him put it all together. And like I said, just do it consistently. And Amarion Cooper, he had an interception during Tuesday's practice. I mean, he's coming along as well. But I think the big thing is, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be a downgrade necessarily, but you don't have a star like Jamie Robinson to – rely on in that back end instead you're going to be relying on four or five hopefully really consistent defenders that can kind of rotate in and out of that lineup depending on mismatches and you know opportunities so I mean it's it's going to be a different look than what we've seen the past two years for Florida State I want to go to the other side of the ball real quick two guys and go to the running back room and you lost Trishon Ward he's going to be a starter over there at Kansas State and I think Florida State's going to have to kind of find that answer earlier on in the season to figure out who can step up to the plate and bring the kind of ability that Trayshawn Ward brought. Maybe, maybe they won't be able to because he is a special player, but I'm looking at Keziah Holmes, and I think this will be our first really good look at him inside of Mike Norvell's system. Dustin, it's kind of always, okay, we get to see him in practice. Yes, you see him 
subbing in here and there. He's going in with the ones, twos, threes. That's kind of how every running back does inside of Mike Carvel's practices. Those guys are getting a lot of opportunities, a lot of reps, a lot of opportunities throughout all the spring with Kaziah. But now I want to see how it looks like onto a game type scenario. And, you know, minor bell is very strict on how he likes to run these things. Definitely like scrimmages. And it definitely will be the same way on Saturday afternoon, but for at least my eyes and probably you're the same way, Dustin, we've been waiting to see, okay, we see the physical attributes. We see the ability that he has, but how is he going to look like going against the defense going full speed and we'll finally get to see that on Saturday. I'm, I'm really keeping an eye on him. Yeah, he's one to watch. And, I mean, really the entirety of that running back room has made their fair share, made their fair share of plays um, throughout the spring. You know, I talked about Rodney Hill probably being the most consistent. And, you know, Holmes has had, to, has, hit, has had his flashes as well. But also C.J. Campbell, especially the last probably two weeks or so, has been coming on strong, not only on the ground, but also making some plays through the air for Florida state. And I think a big thing for him is, you know, everyone, everyone at Florida state, it really seems like they enjoy having CJ Campbell as a teammate, you know, whenever he makes a big play or scores a touchdown, I mean, you've got the whole team kind of out there cheering for him. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty cool for a guy who began his career at Florida state as a walk-on. It looked like he was going to play some last year before that injury. I mean, he still was able to come back before he was supposed to and, and contribute there a little bit in the back end of some games. I mean, he might be able to work his way into a role in 2023. And then obviously the two workhorses, Trey Benson and Lawrence Toafili. I don't know how much we'll see of them on Saturday. I would imagine Benson will be pretty limited. You know, we'll see if they have the green jerseys on out there. Toafili probably the same way, but some guys who will be able to see take some contact, Rodney Hill, um, CJ Campbell, and, you know, Isaiah Holmes as well. There's a question here that I want to bring up regarding kicking. Dustin, that's one of your biggest things that you like to let everybody know at the beginning of the articles after practice observations. But South End Zone Eric is asking on YouTube, Logan forgot to ask you last night, but how is the kicking game looking this spring? Is that a concern with Ryan Fitzgerald's struggles at times last year? Dustin, what have you been seeing since you've kind of practically been keeping a tally on all of this? Very, very inconsistent. Um, there are some days where the kicking is great, and then there are some days where the kicking is very bad. I think there was, I think there was a day last week. You know, there's not really, I don't want to say a ton of opportunities for the kickers, but during practice they have a special teams period. That's when they'll focus on some kicking. They'll also have, you know, maybe throughout team drills at certain points of practices they'll end up. Um, attempting a field goal at the end of them. But, you know, normally kickers probably get four to six attempts during practice. And that's going against like in a live scenario with a defense actually rushing them, rushing them. Of course, they're always on the other side of the field doing stuff on their own. But I really only keep track of it when they've got defenders in their face and, you know, Norvell's over there trying to stress them out by, you know, quote unquote, icing them, calling timeouts during practice and then blaring the music or they've got the defense to the side waving their hands. But either way, it's been very inconsistent. Like yesterday, Ryan Fitzgerald, 51-yard field goal right down the middle. You had Tyler Tyler Keltner come up short from, I think it was like 53, and also um, a, a long 40-yard field goal as well. But then last week, I mean, it was Keltner knocking in a couple, and you had Fitzgerald struggling a little bit. So, I mean, this battle has kind of been all over the place 
at this point. I think probably right now, if, if the season was starting today, I would say Fitzgerald's probably going to retain the job. But, I mean, there's still a long way to go from here. I, I think they're going to do a, have a pretty substantial battle throughout fall camp. But I do think just having a guy come in like Keldner who – proved himself at East, at East Tennessee State, was a really good kicker over there in the, the FCS, set some program records for um, ETSU. I think that's helping push Fitzgerald, making him a little bit more consistent. But, I mean, it's just kind of a day-by-day process with these kickers at this point. There's a there's a couple conversations going on in here between Jerry and Jones and Fentrell Cypress, and that was going to be my last thing just diving into the spring showcase, which is going to bring up a good conversation because of that cornerback room with some of the talent there and some competitive battles all throughout camp. But Jerry Jones has had a nice spring overall and he's continuing to make strides. I was asking Adam Fuller this after one of their scrimmages and he really highlighted watching Jerry and Jones trying to build the consistency. And that was something that was always hurting him and the end all be all, you know, and Jerry and he, he makes plays, man, and he can go through and do a variety of things, but it's just about having consistency. Fentrell Cypress though, is the new toy. He obviously has the talent. We know what he did at Virginia, but I don't think it's really given to him at this point that you'll, Hey, here's the keys. You got it all. And it just depends on how coach Sertan wants to do things, but, You've also got some other other talent on the outside as well. Bernardo Green, you've got Azrae Thomas. There's and then you got some younger Bucks. There's there's things that you definitely definitely like, but you know I think it's a good conversation to have about Jerry and Jones because he always he always poor guy he gets the tough end of the stick, rough end of the stick. Sadly, just off of some of the game like things that happen for him, but it's a good conversation, but. I'm, you know, that was a slower start for Fentrell Cypress. Let's be honest. And I, maybe that goes to show what Florida State has been able to, what they've been able to do in the wide receiver room and change that around with Ron Dugans and looking in the transfer portal and also developing their own talent, like a guy, for example, Kentron Portier. But still, you know, it was a slower start for Fentrell in the spring. I don't think that really would make, shouldn't make anybody worry about the upcoming season. But, the same thing happened for our guy, Greedy Vance, who also has had a smooth spring and ended up leading Florida State interceptions last year and didn't have a good spring much at all and then really started to click in the fall. Yeah, coming out of the gate, Fentrell definitely hasn't been as consistent as I thought he would be. But I will say, I mean, a lot of those quote-unquote struggles that we've seen from him are – during one-on-ones or during seven-on-seven, you know, it's a little bit different than getting into live football. But, I mean, he's another guy who's amped his level of play over the last couple of practices, maybe getting a little bit more familiar with the system and getting a little bit more comfortable out there on the field uh, with FSU. But, I mean, even yesterday at practice during during one-on-ones, I think there was a play where he was beaten um, on a route over the middle, and then he came back, matched up against the same receiver – and absolutely jammed him at the line of scrimmage, forced him out of their route. And, you know, by the time the ball was in the air, the receiver was so off target, they had no chance of of getting to the football. So, I mean, you know, Fentrell, like you said, Logan, it was a slow start, but he's also slowly coming along. And I think he's helping raise the level of competition in that cornerback room. Because like you said, Jaron Jones, 
he doesn't really get the respect that he deserves. He had a pretty darn good season for Florida State in 2022. I think a lot of people, when they think of him, they're thinking of 2021, where, I mean, he did have some struggles, but he also wasn't fully healthy. I mean, especially last year, the last five or six games, he uh, rose to a different level at FSU. I mean, you've got Renardo Green. You mentioned AZ. Some really quality players in that cornerback room that are competing for time. I've got a I've got a fire truck going by and it's just blaring through my room. It's just something's going on here. It's the perks of living in the city now. I really hope I can't see out my windows. I still can't see out my windows. Going on week two of this, can't go out my balcony or anything. So if we're on fire, we're on fire. I can't escape anywhere. Last thing, we'll be with you guys on here. The spear. What a (laughs) what a beautiful feeling that is. That is so great. Glad I can end it here with you guys. Let's note on a few things, including the Seminole Showcase. We've got our former, former Hear the Spear co-host, 2013 National Champion, Carlos Williams, going to be helping coach this alongside P.J. Williams, Florida State cornerback. Speaking of corners, uh, also 2013 National Champion. And then they're going to be facing 1993 guys who also brought home trophy with Charlie Ward and Henry Crockett. So those two will be going against Los and P.J. Williams, which will be pretty fun to watch. Uh, you know, Carlos, knowing him, will also be seeing him next weekend at Kenny Champ. Kenny Champs. Kenny Shaw. <laughs> Kenny Champs. <laughs> Kenny Champs. Kenny Shaw's camp next Saturday. But Carlos, animated guy, highly, highly competitive. So I'm excited to see that. Charlie Ward, more of a soft-spoken guy, also been – a guy who's also been on here plenty of times, I should say, man, he was, he's a little bit more soft-spoken. Carlos, I think is going to be pretty fun to watch on Saturday afternoon, but pretty cool to have those four in attendance helping coach the spring showcase last year. It was EJ Manuel, Danny Cannell, Bryant McFadden, and Peter Borwer. Mm-hmm. Very hey, good. If I know Los, he's going to make a show about something. I don't know what it is yet, but he's going to make something pop off. I was just going to say very calculated move uh, for Florida State to be bringing in four guys who, you know, two and two, one, two, one national championships in 1993, two, one national championships in 2013. And you're going into a 2023 season where Florida State is trying to contend for another national championship. So I'd imagine that we'll see the guest coaches out at practice tomorrow, maybe working with the team a little bit as they kind of try to figure out what they're going to do on Saturday. And I mean, it should be a good experience, you know, for the coaches, for the players to speak with these guys who have been through it before, won a championship at Florida state and obviously want to see the program do it again. I mean, it's also, you know, the 30th anniversary and the 10th anniversary of those respective teams winning a championship. So it makes sense. Also a little, little bit of a change up for Charlie. You know, he's been a basketball coach the last how many ever years. Uh, <laughs> now he's going to be on the football sideline. Florida high baby. Yeah. A little, little bit of a switch up. For Big him Justin's alum. State champs. That's right. D. Lou's alum. Did you ever try out for the basketball team, Dustin? I thought about it, but I was very self-conscious. But, I mean, man, <laughs> I used to I used to hit those threes in uh, seventh period, and my coach called me the white Ray Allen. <laughs> so, I will put that out there. Cap. We'll have to bring it back. 
Oh my goodness! Still got the shooting sleeve, I think. <laughs> the shooting sleeve somewhere. Look for it. yeah. See if you can find that before the show's over. It might take a little while. No, he knows exactly where it is because he uses the shooting sleeve when he types. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That that just goes to show how nerdy Dustin turned on us. Um, real quick though, I thought this was pretty interesting to hear from Mike Norvell. A little while ago, I don't know if this was last week. Yeah, it was. But him liking the idea of having a scrimmage against another team. Yep. Uh, you know, just depending on, and there was a whole discussion on full physical contact, yada, yada, yada. But just off the top of his head, immediate, he's about it. He likes the idea, you know, and there's a lot of potential you could do with it because you could have another Florida team come up. You host it. You also have recruiting weekend with it. There's a whole lot of benefits I think there is, and then you can also manage it how you want it to be. Your quarterback stays safe. There's no cutting knees. There's no <laughs> kickoff coverage. Whatever you want to do, just treat it like a freaking – no, Pro Bowl games suck. There's a reason why they don't have them anymore. But uh, something to where it's very safe, because I know that's going to be the first argument that you'll have. But outside, I think there's more benefits than – negatives in my opinion but i liked him being all about it hugh freeze i think was another coach that liked the idea of it but um i just thought that was a pretty interesting you know idea or you know answer answer from mine Ravel. he's all about it he's about that action so it'd be cool to see like a ucf come up or usf come up and florida state be able to scrimmage i think it'd be huge for some of newcomers for both teams to get a good feel of how college ball will be like, you know, it's all depends on the NCA and all that crap. So probably is never going to happen, but I just thought it was interesting from. I, I love the idea of it. I mean, we, we see it in the NFL where they have the joint practices before the preseason games, but we also see it in college basketball where we see the, the secret scrimmages. We saw Florida state. Oh, we didn't see, but Florida state played Michigan <laughs> in, in the preseason, just a, a glorified exhibition game. And, and like Logan said, you can script it how you want. You know, you can decide we're going to do defense this half, this kind of defense this half versus this kind of defense this half. That's what Mich- Florida State Michigan did. They said, we're going to do man in man one half, two, three zone next half. You can do just walk-ons. You can do whatever you want. You can script it how you want it. And, you know, it's such a good experience, not only for the kids, but you get to learn about your team just a little bit more. And it gives them that, that feeling of hitting someone else that's not your own team for all of spring and all of summer. Just like with basketball, you know, you're playing against the same guys in practice for, you know, all summer, all fall. It just, you got to shake it up a little bit. I, th- I, th- I think it's a great idea. I hope something comes of it. I think the difference compared to your example, Austin, is that Florida State and Michigan is a competitive game between two of the, the top teams. I mean, until Florida State played last year, but two of the top teams in college basketball. Whereas, you know, if you look at the idea for these spring scrimmages, it's having a school like – Florida State or Auburn or Alabama bring in a group of five team from their respective state. I mean, I just don't know how much of an advantage there is for FSU to play a game like that because if they lose, people just make fun of them. If they I don't win. think it, I think it's a lose. I don't. I don't think it's like a game game. I think yeah. it's a scrimmage. Yeah, no, no. You know, you can have scoring. Yeah, people but it's are going to keep score predicated over that. I, well, it's a. Especially rival fans. Like if you're I thinking mean, that there needs to be a score and then there needs to be chatter, like UCF comes up, oh my God, their third team just scored. They just ended up winning it all. Like, I mean, you at UCF's fan base would do something like that. Yeah. So they maybe would. not, maybe bring up UF. <laughs> That's UF what I'm out, saying. But, like, but, but, 
I mean, the, the shell around it is that it's not an actual game. It's a literal scrimmage. Like, you, let's just go to the NFL. You go to the pros. I like that. You you go visit. You spend a couple days there. You're scrimmaging. You predicated on different kind of situations. You can do your 11-on-11s. You can have your twos on twos. You can have your ones on twos. But that's specifically what you can do with it. You keep your quarterback safe, yada, yada, yada. But it creates really good it creates a really good test of what you what you think you're going to get out of guys going against other players because they're continuously facing the same talent every week. And I think the players would be all about it. And, and to your point, Dustin, what's what's the difference in that between like a basketball exhibition game before the season? You know, it has the same kind of feeling. Like the game doesn't matter, but everyone clowned Syracuse when they lost to whoever it was. You know, it's the same kind of feeling. There's no advantage to it, but I mean, at least – for an exhibition standpoint, you're warming up for your season as far as college basketball for this. A game in April where you could have a guy, you know, you're probably not playing your starters on this game, but you could have a guy who's in your rotation end up with a seasoning and season ending injury for something meaning. I mean, honestly, yeah, meaningless. You have those risks in your normal practice anyways, too. Like it's it, it's always gonna be there. And it the game doesn't have to be in April. I mean, you could play the game in July. <laughs> like just put it whenever. Norbell, uh, Dustin's not about that action. He's not. not I know. I know Norbell's about it, but when you just think about all of the stuff that goes into play, it's just not worth it for Florida State to play a team like USF or Florida Atlantic. I mean, if you're talking about a scrimmage that would be beneficial to Florida State, play a play a legit team. I mean. But I mean, something like that for I college think, football. Is, go ahead. Why not? It's never going to happen. I, do do an Auburn secret scrimmage. I'm here for it. I don't mean to discredit FAU and USF by saying legit team, but I just, mm-hmm. you know, Florida State is a preseason top ten team. But but also on that on that same vein, two years ago, Florida State wasn't a top ten team. You know, they would have really they would have really benefited playing a, a USF in a in a in a spring exhibition. And I and I think too specifically if we're talking spring games, I am really looking at the twos and the threes out of you know what I'm getting out of my ones. I saw that last year. Yeah, you'd like to see some development with them, but I don't need to see them more than one or two series. I don't want to see Jared Verse for a second series. I don't even want to see him after four plays on Saturday. Get him off the field, and I want to see some of that. And I would like to see some of Florida State's second team go against UCF's first team. I'm all about it. Sign me up. It's going to be a good test for those guys to get ready for the season ahead. That's that's how I picture and i think that's how norbell's got it imagined he and i are on the same we're on the same page here you know so florida state's not going to play their starters but the team you have coming to play fsu is gonna have to play their starters against fsu second team i mean it just makes no sense it's not gonna i mean if you well you were just talking about the talent difference why not just there's a huge florida state second or third team it can't compete with I think they would still UCS first team. That's what I'm saying. Not, not UCF. Oh, would literally UCS first team. UCF's in the Big Twelve now. We're talking about group. Oh, because now they're in the or, Big Twelve that they've got all the. We're talking about USF, FAU, FIU. There's a lot of teams in Florida to pick from. I think FSU's walk-ons might be at FIU. That's what I'm saying. At some point, the talent differential is just so great. Even when you go into the rotation, at, at this at the same point, you want to get those guys valuable reps though. Like, you want to build those guys up in a game experience, not just in practice. I would kill for Omar Graham to have reps against UCS first team. I'm all about it. Sign me up. I'd love to see uh, Daniel Lyons get in there going against UCF's offensive line. It's good. You'll get to I'm see him on Saturday it. matching up with other FSU players. So, hope that's good enough. 
That's not well, not it ain't really changing. because it's the same Sorry. guys they've been going against. It's the same guys they've been going against, and they know exactly how they do things, knowing how they work their hands. I just don't think it's great what? competition. It's not going to be great competition on Saturday. Whereas if you're facing a different team, you don't know what the f they're doing. You don't know what kind of abilities they have, different kind of techniques they run. They've been facing the same guy, Dustin, every week. I understand what you're day. trying to say, but That's playing what? UCF is not going to benefit FSU. But it's not like playing it's, them. It's like playing a, FAU, or you, it, but it's not going to benefit anything. They and do just, stuff different, but they do it worse also. So, but Let's also think about it from another perspective. Wouldn't fans rather pay to see them play another team? Of course. Absolutely. Okay. Fans would love that, but that, it's not it's, feasible so, in college football. We'll see. We will see. Drive well, a couple coaches, buses up. Coaches can say what they want, but moves are made behind closed doors. Yeah, and once universities and the NCAA realizes there's money to be made from something, they're going to explore it. That's just the way the NCAA goes. We'll see. I mean, college football attendance has been declining, so there's not even a lot of money to be made from getting the people in the stands anymore. Yeah, I disagree about that. <laughs> about the TV deals. I, I am looking I'm looking forward to seeing Doke after week one and seeing what it looks like. I'm, very cl- I'm, in, very I'm not talking about Doke. I'm just talking about across college football as a whole. Doke, of course, should be sold out throughout the season with the amount of anticipation by Florida State. See, there's... But there are some other schools. You know, you think about Miami. They might not have a sellout all year. See, yeah. They might not. Unless they have, there's some kind of professional tennis match going on, that, that stadium won't see anybody full <laughs> there in a long time. See, now Danielle's bringing up a point here. This is way off. See, this is where it's way off in competition to me. Way off. <laughs> this wouldn't even be able to work with the walk-ons versus – I'm not even going down that route. I We got to end that. We got to end that. I I just don't think it's good. I think the last time Florida State and FAMU played each other – I mean, it wasn't football, but they played each other in basketball and there was like a big fight or whatever. I, I looked this up not that long ago, and I, I'm mad I forgot it already. Um, Let me find yeah, that, it. I think I remember hearing some things that things just didn't go so well. And that's yeah. why even FAMU game. 1991, 18 people ejected in a brawl. I don't know if mm. they've ever played in football before. You know, like back in the day, I've never done yeah. any research like that. But, I mean, it's just a thing where it's like it's not competitive anymore. And I mean, that's no discredit to what FAMU is doing. Yeah, but, I mean, Florida the- State's in a pretty good position right now as far as competing college football at a at a high level you know a playoff contender for the coming years you know it's a, it's definitely it's a great conversation to have and you know there will probably nothing will ever come of it you know we're dealing with the NCA here so we're just kind of just dreaming hoop lawing around just having a discussion about it but I thought it was pretty interesting to see Norvell's take on it yeah I don't mean to crap on your dreams I'm just I'm tr- I'm coming from a it's real perspective and I just don't Oh, realist. I'm just I'm sitting from a basketball perspective where it's real. Like, but basketball, I feel like basketball it's easier to facilitate. It's not as much of a contact sport. I don't think you're as worried about someone getting, you know, blown up out there on the basketball court court as you are in, in football, especially with the amount of contact play to play. God, with FSC basketball's luck the last couple of years, I don't want them doing anything in the offseason except for just. <laughs> Well, well, you're getting your wish right now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't win either way. I can't win either way. So, 
<laughs> just put them in bubble wrap in the weight room. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the last little bit here of the podcast. Let's jump into some recruiting Dustin real quick. I know don't have a list yet. You guys need to get in our discord for that once that's available, but expecting a pretty big and busy weekend for sure. Yeah, a lot of guys going to be back in, in Tallahassee this weekend. Of course, a bunch of Florida State commits. Um, Luke Cromanhawk, Cam Davis, Camden Fryer announced um, earlier this evening that he was going to be back in Tallahassee on Saturday. And then, I mean, a ton of targets for FSU coming in in that 2024 class. Also, some guys in the 2025 class. You know, I was told five-star linebacker Jaden Perlot, a 2025 prospect. Um, he was at FSU back in March, committed to Georgia right now, but he's going to be returning on Saturday for another visit, which I think it kind of speaks volumes for FSU to get him back on campus just four weeks after his first ever trip um, to Tallahassee, despite being committed to Georgia. So, I mean, a lot of talent coming in for FSU on Saturday. And like Logan said, we're going to have a full list um, later this week. But I mean, a lot of anticipation and definitely going to be trying to catch up with some of those guys once everything uh, wraps up on Saturday. VZ, you get to end us off this evening. I'll start us off, though, what topic-wise. Matthew Cleveland, Florida State's leading scorer from last season, former five-star recruit. Came to a shock from some people interested to get your take from it also, but he's going. He's already officially entered the transfer portal and is not going to play for Florida State in 2023-2024. I, I wasn't surprised whatsoever. Um you know, we'd heard rumors. I even reported them in the Discord that, you know, he, there was whispers that he might transfer this offseason. This was back in January, December when I, when I was saying this. Um, I think everyone just expected, you know, Matthew Cleveland, five-star prospect. He's been in Tallahassee two seasons. He'll go pro. They're, they're, the pro interest just wasn't there. You know, NBA, t- NBA teams and scouts were just consistently telling me he's not getting drafted. He needs another year. And – you know, from Cleveland's point of view, does he want to spend another year in Tallahassee on a really bad basketball team? More than likely. Obviously, there's going to be a lot that plays out of these next few weeks. Um, or does he want to go somewhere and win where he can showcase his talents a little bit better? You know, for every Virginia game winner and Miami game winner, there was games where it felt like he wasn't even out there. And, you know, maybe he can go somewhere where he can find more consistency and more success. But I, I wish the absolute best for him, but I think it's I think it's best for both sides that Cleveland moves on. Um, the his list of suitors so far was announced or was released earlier today. Um, you know, just pretty much everyone you'd expect: Arkansas, Michigan, Auburn, Indiana, Texas A&M, Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Kansas State, Pitt, Wake, Texas. You know, a lot of big time programs. He's going to be one of the most sought after guys in the portal. My thinking, as we stand right now, he's been in the portal. 24 hours. I, I, my expectation is Auburn. I know a lot of people are going to think Missouri just because of the CY connection. Um, I, just, I think he wants to be close to home. He, he kind of strikes me that was one of those guys. And um, at the same time, he's going to want to go somewhere where he can win. So Auburn kind of matches both of those for right now. We'll see, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe they don't really sell him on their vision. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not too upset over a guy that – was on a nine and 23 basketball team i'm just not anybody can go and i'm not gonna be upset i know it necessarily didn't surprise you but i mean man for florida state to lose its two leading scores from a season ago in a span of 
I don't know, two weeks or, or whatever it was, a little bit, little bit shocking, especially Matthew Cleveland, at least from my perspective, I kind of thought that it was going to be, if he was to leave Florida State, I didn't think it was going to be by the transfer portal. I thought it would be him testing the professional level, seeing what he's worth um, in the NBA. So I guess, I mean, I just didn't see him hitting the portal and deciding to finish his college career, at least, you know, play another year somewhere else, especially, you know, after what he had done in Tallahassee the last couple of years. And I mean, it really seemed like, and whether it's fair to him or not, he was kind of starting to develop into one of the faces of this program prior to his departure, just because, I mean, not only because he was one of the team, one of the guys leading the team in points, but also like you mentioned, some of the shots that he was able to make and lead FSU to a couple of epic victories that, I mean, are going to be remembered around Tallahassee for the coming years. I mean, whenever FSU matches up with Virginia, we see that half court shot from Cleveland being replayed. And I mean, that's going to be the same thing with Miami now. So it was just a little bit surprising for me to, see him move on in that fashion. But at the same time, I, I can understand wanting to go find a program that's, you know, moving in a better direction than Florida State right now. It's Florida State needs leaders. And I'm not saying Cleveland's a bad kid whatsoever. They just need guys that fit the culture better. Maybe he just wasn't one of those guys. Um, it, it sucks. You know, Isn't he McLeod, one of those guys, uh, man. Um, Please. We don't want, we want VZ to stay that. on this show with yeah. us for a long while. I don't want him canceled. You made me mad. Um, <laughs> uh, I just lost all trade of thought. No, I got it. Um, <laughs> you go back and look at that 2020 recruiting class. That was, what, a top three class in the country with Matt Cleveland, Jalen Worley, John Butler, technically Naheem, I guess. Um, Butler moved on after one season. Cleveland's gone after two seasons, and Worley hasn't been that great so far. It's just been a been a lot of bad. Yeah, it's tough that the one guy who decommitted ended up doing the best, and now is in the yeah. NBA. Bryce McGowan's, who's who's funny enough, I see him all the time because obviously he got drafted by Charlotte, but he's one of the clients at the store I work at. I see him once a week. Great dude, but you know, spent one year in Nebraska, got drafted, middle of the second round, but you know, halfway through the season, Hornets are like, no, we just this guy's good. We need to sign him to a full length contract and like Terrence Mann did years ago, got a four-year deal. Just um, it's crazy how it all works out. What you would do to have another Terrence Mann in the fold just because of his leadership abilities. Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest, someone like that. He would kill for a lot of players from back in that day. Special squad. Special squad. So now to emerge. I mean, it's just not that type of sport anymore. You're not having a lot of guys stick around like Trent Forrest and Terrence Mann for that three, four, five years if they redshirt during their first year on campus. That's just not college basketball anymore. Guys, if they don't get opportunities, they're hitting the portal. I mean, I, what was the stat? I don't know if you've seen it, Austin, but I think it's been floating around on Twitter. Either 20 or 25% of the scholarship players in college basketball have entered the NCAA transfer portal. So that is, of, that, that, That's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, yeah, as of a few days ago, it was like 21% had entered who knows where we're at now it's like three or four uh, guys on every team pretty much and we're you know we're still expecting at, at two or three more from florida state alone um who knows what's going to go on with the rest of college basketball it's just you know every time i check my phone there's six new guys on the portal from different schools yeah. and there's not um, enough spots for everybody and there's not and it, that's that's the one thing that people didn't really think about from the covid waivers and the six year six years and all that 
at some point teams are just going to run out of spots. Um, or there's going to be Florida state where they just <laughs> don't have many good players. Um, man, I'm depressed. Um, <laughs> it's just bad. And, and to your point about Caleb Mills and Matthew Cleveland being the first two guys in the portal, those are the two guys that represented you at ACC media day. Those are the two guys you, you, you wanted to represent your university on a, on a national broadcast. Now they're the first two guys gone, you know, six months later. It's crazy how, how this season is gone. I guess it just says a lot about where the program is currently at. Yeah. And you know, the, there's transfers that they're after, you know, I believe Josh Nickelberry is on campus starting tomorrow. I feel pretty good about Florida state's chance, chances there. I put a prediction in the discord uh, this afternoon. They're trying to get Hofstra transfer Aaron Estrada on campus this weekend. Who's good friends with Jalen Worley. Um, and I know they want to get Primo Spears on campus. But there's, there's also some guys that's just like, I don't know. It's been, it's been a weird transfer cycle. You know, they were in the top three for Bobby Pettiford. Something happened there. I don't know what happened. I do know what happened, but I'm not going to say it. Um, it's, it's just been a weird transfer cycle. It's been a really weird transfer cycle. And hopefully, you know, as things shake out and as, as they, they find, as they find the targets they want, you know, a good team materializes. It's just, you know, you can only take so much bad news before you're like, oh, man. Well, it's been tough. I mean, you're having – you're finally starting to have some departures. Probably not – I mean, I know Caleb Mills was probably going to move on, but maybe yeah. one of them not exactly what you wanted when you're thinking preliminary guys to leave the program. And then at the same time, not a ton of traction so far with guys in the portal. And, I mean, whether that's – Florida State not, you know, jumping at the opportunity to go get these guys, which it sounded like they wanted to. We've talked about it before. Coach Hamilton talked about needing to get into the NCAA transfer portal, landing a couple of guys this offseason. So, I mean, it sounded like they've had a plan. I mean, there just hasn't been a ton of traction to this point. I don't know if that speaks to maybe where some guys, how they view Florida State as an option right now. If, if Florida State, you know, who knows about the NIL capabilities of the basketball program, it's probably not up to par of a program like Kentucky or Kansas or some of these other schools that are going into the portal and plucking top talent from other schools. I mean, it's just tough for, for Florida state to kind of be in that middle of the pack range of college basketball and really needing, I mean, basically a total overhaul at this point. I mean, what, in your opinion, Austin, there's five, six guys maybe that, should stick around and Florida State try to kind of build around as they add in these transfers and and also their high school prospect, um, Taylor Bolin. Yeah, I mean Chandler Jackson, I think, is gonna be a huge part of this future. I'm I'm a huge fan of that kid. Same with Cameron Corrin. Those are two obvious ones. Like those are two guys that can end up being like the Trent Forest types. I think, um, as Big Twin says, um, Jalen Ganey's for sure gonna be there next season. That's a guy, you know. Obviously, he missed the whole season with the ACL injury, but that's a two-time Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year. He's exactly what Florida State wants to do defensively. If he can come back, you know, 90% of what he was at Brown University, that's a really, really good basketball player, something Florida State desperately needs. I, I get for some reason that Florida State, some Florida State fans don't like Darren Green Jr., but the idea of Darren Green Jr. is a phenomenal player. You know, a guy that could spot up, shoot 40% from three. You know, for two-thirds of the season, he was the best shooter in the ACC. And then, you know, as dead legs hit towards the end of the season and he's playing, 
38 minutes a game and teams are realizing, oh, he's the only one that can shoot. You know, teams game plan around that and can take him away. I think he's a really, really good basketball player. Just didn't get the greatest chance to showcase that last season. You'll hopefully get Cameron Fletcher back healthy for the start of the season of his ACL injury. We're expecting Bob Miller to stick around, and I know he didn't have the greatest freshman season once he came back from his suspension, but the idea of him as a player is amazing. Guy that's six eleven can handle the ball, can can do anything. He's just he's got to get in better shape, and he's gotta he's gotta get a little bit stronger. Um, that's five. After that, it's like, yeah, you know, if you want, like. And then obviously Taylor Bowen, who you mentioned earlier, who's who looks like he's added some size. I'm not gonna lie. He he participated in the Nike Hoop Summit against Team USA last week, and he's looked like he's added some size to him, booked up a little bit, which I think is gonna benefit him a lot next season heading an ACC play. Um, you know, that's six guys that I'm like, yeah, those are guys you want. Everything else, I'm just like, you know, if if they move on, I'm not gonna be hurt about it. I'm praying. I'm I'm on the pro basketball side now, but now I'm feeling really sad. I'm no longer no, me, mad, me, and, me, sad. And, me and me and Logan have flipped. He went pro basketball last week, and since then I've just I've gone off the deep end. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see the different levels we're on week by week with this because transfer portal is insane right now for basketball, and Leonard Hamilton's got to make some moves this year. And, and not only with smart the, moves. Not, only, not only with the roster, but we're expecting a coaching change soon. Which mm. that information tune into the Discord. Um, yep, it's just it's never it, stops, huh? Never stops. Discord's Discord link is in the YouTube description down below. So I know a lot. And of I've been using. Facebook. I've been I've been using. It. I've been dropping some info. Um, I'm, I'm making sure people are getting their money's worth if they want basketball content. But it's uh, it's interesting right it's now. I'll, to put it lightly, the wor- the worst part is and. I wouldn't be one of the people that does this, but you know those those weird fans out there who want to turn to baseball for positive news. That's not going so well either. So I mean, man, a, a tough spring if you're a Florida State fan. Man. Hopefully, man, it'll be better. You that shot to the bat. The poor baseball listeners. If there's like two or three on here, just got <laughs> hit hard. So, someone, someone in the comments did say baseball too. <laughs> <laughs> Just not looking great outside of football and softball at the moment. I mean, there's still some other sports that do a phenomenal. Did we lose Logan? I don't. I guess he got he got caught doing the sprinkler on his uh on his camera feed. Oh wait! Oh my God, what just happened there? What just happened? <laughs> you froze up. It cut out. Streamyard just said, "Streamyard just said, screw you, talking trash about baseball." So, golly, I'm done. I'll but do, speaking I'll of do done, I think you. that's yeah. Is that wrapping up <laughs> basketball for us, VZ? Is that all she wrote? Um, let me go back through Discord real quick, just to make sure I'm not missing anything. The only, the only thing that I can think of is Caleb Mills, <clears throat> obviously committed to Memphis. I don't Memphis. remember if that was before our podcast last week, and then, um. NBA playoffs coming up. I was, I, was, I, mean, I was about to talk about the NBA guys. Raekwon Gray had a phenomenal NBA debut at the end of the season. You, you, you see this at the end of the NBA seasons now when seeding's locked up. They'll call up all the young guys just to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Turk turned in a game. What was it, 18 and 7? 18, yeah, 7 and Nets. 3, I believe. Yeah, with, for, he got called up to the Brooklyn Nets and put in a pretty, pretty good showing. Um, I, I think he's going to get a two-week contract for all of next season, so he'll get a little bit more time to shine. Um, happy for him, man. 
one one of the true success stories, true success development stories that we saw at Florida State, a guy that was super overweight, slow footed when he first got to camps, and by the time he left, that dude was an animal, absolute animal. Um, You're too early. You saw you saw John Butler get some action against the Golden State Warriors in a yeah. No, nah, I didn't see that. Um, they lost by fifty six. Oh my god! <laughs> and he played. He played twenty two <laughs> minutes, scored just three points. No, I didn't. Uh, um, he, he was a minus thirty seven. <laughs> that's um, yeah. I believe I believe that's his first action of the season in the NBA. I'd I'd have to go back and look. Probably his uh, last. It's. I, I I looked at it today. I saw him post while we were on, on when we were first starting the podcast. I'm like, oh, I wonder if he played on Sunday. And yeah, sure enough, uh, I maybe should have kept it to myself. That's rough. Um, but as we speak right now, I think, or is the game over? Nope. As we speak right now, Scotty Barnes and Patrick Williams going to head to head in the play-in tournament. Um, you know, FSU guys doing FSU things. Terrence Mann's in the playoffs. Malik Beasley's for the Lakers. Yeah, Malik Beasley with the Lakers. Um, Trent Forrest on a two-way. Yeah, he's on a two-way with the no, Hawks. He's not eligible. But he did, he did play that that on on, on Sunday. I wonder, yeah. how, I wonder how he played. He played. Fee got to play a little bit for the yeah. Celtics. He's on a two-way, so he's also not eligible to play in the postseason. But I mean, cool to see a couple of these guys that have come through Florida State in recent years get out there and get to showcase themselves a little bit. I believe the NBA next season is moving to um, having three two-way contracts yeah, I was per team. So, I mean, that'll just expand the developmental base a little bit more, hopefully be able to give these guys some opportunities. A guy like uh, Fiondu Cabangeli, he's yeah. – he'll, Gelly, he'll be going into his fifth season, so he'll no longer be eligible for two-way contracts. But, I mean, you've still got a ton of guys – even I mean I haven't checked on MJ Walker, but I mean last season he was kind of hanging around with the Knicks and for their G League team for a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing, but I mean there's some guys from Florida State hanging around there, still trying to get their NBA careers off the ground, and you know it's a good opportunity to see it happen. Yeah, MJ had a 30 point game with the Westchester Knicks maybe two three weeks ago. Like he's done pretty well for them recently. Um, Trent Forrest had five assists Sunday night in case someone was wondering, it, and then Fiondo had four points and four rebounds. And two steals. Look at that. Um, I think he also got a concussion, dude. He got smacked in the head. <laughs> I, sh- I should have known you would have been watching. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what guys, like if Scotty or Pat ends up making the playoffs, I'm excited to see what they could do uh, on yeah. that level. Um, and then obviously Mookie is going to do what he does, shoot for three, nothing else. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Sweet deal. It was a busy week. It was a good pod. I had a lot of good discussions on here this week. If y'all are traveling into Tallahassee, safe travels to everyone. If you see us, make sure to come say hi. We'll be there all around dope on Saturday afternoon up to no good or maybe good. I don't know, but it is a, it is a spring practice on steroids. So got to be professional, but you know, you can have some fun beforehand, you know, see what's going on. I know Brian Stork will be there alongside a couple of his friends. So that should be good. If you guys haven't yet, make sure you go watch the 2013 spring camp film breakdown that Brian put together with us alongside Josue Matias, also another 2013 national champion. That was really 
fun to watch. And I just kind of kicked it back and we all had a few drinks and watched some film. That was a lot of fun watching LaMarcus Joyner go at it with James Wilder Jr. And a plethora of other guys. That was really fun. So that was on Monday and that's on our YouTube channel at Noel Game Day. But that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as always, you listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We're on YouTube. Always appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of y'all's week. We'll see you in Tallahassee on Saturday, not Thursday or Friday, like our friends. Uh, they're not really friends, but those guys down in Gainesville and Miami. But we'll see you in Tallahassee on Saturday for Florida State's Spring Summer Showcase. Peace. Indo Campbell Stadium. Same color.